don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. And I don't mean to to infer that you put out something that's you know subpar or you know not the best representation. But I, I think uh, far too often we see people who've waited uh, until everything's kind of lined up perfectly to get going and because of the sales cycles and how long it takes, the sooner you get started interacting with your prospects, the better off you'll be, I, I think for many reasons. But government can create the conditions necessary for businesses to expand and hire more workers. Welcome to Civic Thinker, the podcast for fearless doers, GovTech innovators, and social entrepreneurs striving to reshape our world. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Together, we'll unravel the mysteries, dismantle the barriers, and equip you with the tools to conquer the odds and achieve success. The answer is clear. For the people to win, politics as usual must lose. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. Ask what you can do for your country. I'm Matt Moulter, and in this episode, we're going to explore the nuance of selling to the government. And this is especially important for those of you who have a great product or idea, because it's a, a, a critical mistake I see lots of companies make, and I myself have made, about neglecting the sales side of things. When I first started my business, for years, you know, all I thought about was product creating a better product, more features, more capabilities, better for the customer. And when I presented these ideas, people loved them. We had a ton of interest, but what we didn't have was sales. What we didn't have is a ton of customers. And this went on, this problem went on for years. I mean, I'm literally probably five years, six years. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to fix our problems with product development and spent just as much time on sales that the business finally turned around. You know, I started taking sales classes, I started researching, and then, you know, all of this interest at, you know, before doing that, I would say my close rate uh, for meetings and demos was probably less than 10%. After I started taking these sales classes and lessons, you know, we went above 50%. And then the revenue started coming in. Then we could grow the team. It could be more than just a one-man show. And we could really do some great things to change and improve the industry. So that's why sales is so important. And I'm not going to make that mistake again. And you know, the reason we're talking about sales today is to help you not make that same mistake. Not wait to spend so much time on, on the sales process. And to help us with that, joining us today is someone who's been in sales a long time, the president of Kensington Sales Group, Mike Dombo. Mike, welcome to Civic Thinker. How's, how's things going today? Thanks, Matt. Doing well. Glad to be here. So let's, let's jump right into it. Maybe you can start with a brief background on you know what, what got you into this space. Yeah, I spent the first half of my career really in B2B sales, selling to large, you know, multinational companies, uh, Fortune 1000, if you would. And uh, about halfway into my career, I was in a startup uh, focused on research and advisory services for public safety, um, like police chiefs, fire chiefs, and uh, sustainability offices. And that was my you know, first kind of 
touch into government and did very well at it. I noticed immediately some of the major differences in selling to government agencies versus selling to businesses. But from there, I spent a good amount of time in federal government contracts, consulting and sales. And about seven years ago, started this company to help others to sell to government. You mentioned there about how it's different. Maybe we could explore that a little bit. When you, you know, when you say it's selling to government is different than say the B two B or B two C. What do you what do you mean there? Yeah. So let me start with what's similar, right? You're it's people selling to people, and you know, personalities, things like that. It's different in that the drivers for businesses are different than what somebody at an agency is going to key up on, especially in response to outbound outreach and messaging. They're more in government. They're more focused on the agency mission. They have additional constraints that you don't find in the business world, like everything they spend money on is open to public scrutiny. And, you know, they they have procurement rules and things that you just don't find in the business world. So the, the major differences I found are what kinds of messages that they will respond to as a government entity versus, you know, business drivers, which are more profitability and business drivers per se. So when, you know, we do outreach to government, we're more looking towards what do they care about as an agency and how can you help them fulfill that mission, if you would. Would there also be differences in, you know, like how long it takes to close a deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the more astounding facts usually are federal, including state and local. I think on average, you're looking at sales cycles that could be upwards of 18 to 24 months. In the business world, if they have a need, they can create some budget or move money from one place to, to the other to, to pay for things in, in government. They're more constrained by their budget, again, because of that kind of uh, public over you know, insight into what they're spending money on. They have to have uh, a real good reason to take money out of one bucket and put it into another. So yeah, the, the sales cycles uh, can be shorter depending on uh, what you're selling. And there's always in any kind of sales, you know, that adoption curve where you'll find that 10% initially who are more open to innovation and, and, you know, willing to move more quickly. And then the kind of the bulk of the, the audience being in that middle sector and then the, you know, 10% laggards or 10 or 15%, however you break that out. Maybe price point probably matters there too, I would think. Yeah. In, in government, you've got you know these procurement thresholds where depending on the size of the jurisdiction, usually it's something like 20 or $25,000. Anything above that has a separate set of procurement rules. And you know we, we can talk a little bit about procurement vehicles and things like that. But yeah, there, those, those are some of the more apparent distinctions. So in when we're looking at B2G, what what are some of the common, you know, approaches or tactics or strategies that you that you've found worked well in this this space? Yeah, again, the the focus on helping them to achieve the mission 
versus any other benefits that the the solution could bring, you know, cost savings, things like that are always important. But first and foremost, how are you helping them to, you know, serve their constituents and provide their services in a more efficient, more transparent manner, that kind of thing. Understanding their procurement process, at least at a high level, how governments, you know, procure goods and services. And uh, you mentioned the, you know, the dollar amount uh, definitely being a huge factor will dictate on, on how you want to approach them. If it's a very small dollar figure, uh, very much like in the commercial world, it's, I think, more of a get it listed on uh, some procurement vehicles, get in front of them uh, with with more digital marketing, things like that. If you have a higher dollar value than certainly having dedicated outbound resources as well as, you know, the, the digital marketing and uh, those types of avenues, uh, it, it does dictate how you approach them. And in a small dollar figure, you just can't justify the expense and overhead of a large team doing that where you get more leveraged activities. It's certainly a far greater uh, return on that investment. So, I mean, thinking, put, putting myself in, or ourselves in a person getting started, what I mean, you, you've worked with a lot of companies and seen a lot of stuff. Like, what what are the mistakes that you see us making over and over again? Well, you you kind of outed the biggie at the beginning. Don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. And I don't mean to to infer that you put out something that's you know subpar or you know not the best representation. But I, I think far too often we see people who've waited until everything's kind of lined up perfectly to get going. And because of the sales cycles and how long it takes, the sooner you get started interacting with your prospects, the better off you'll be. I I think for many reasons. One, because it takes so long to get to the, the finish line, but also the sooner you start having those conversations, the faster you will get feedback and input on what you're doing. I have a little bit of a, a, project management education in my background. And I like the agile approach to not just software development, but even what we do with sales. You put something together, you test it, you get feedback, and then you modify what you're doing uh, based on that feedback. If you're operating with your own assumptions and you don't have that real world feedback from prospects, it's really hard to you know, get it right necessarily the first time. And so, yeah, my, my, First and foremost, I think people wait too long to get going. You know, again, if, if the product's not quite ready, then that's a good reason. But if you have what they call that minimally viable product, get it out there, get it in the hands of users, even if you're you're talking to some early adopters who aren't necessarily ready to you know, buy whole hog. You got to have that engine going because the longer you wait, the longer it'll take. Yeah, because inevitably your first version of the product, it's not going to be right no matter what. And once people start using it, you're going to have all kinds of fixes and yeah, they changes. They break things. And, they, you, yeah. they run, they have situations that you didn't anticipate and that you're able to then highlight that with future customers as, hey, we've gotten real world feedback from your peers and other agencies. And this is why we do it this way. Well, let's, let's flip that question. Instead of mistakes people make, you know, with with all the companies that you've worked with, you've probably seen some themes about, 
you know, what makes them successful yeah. and what makes things go well. What, what are some, you know, trends or things you've seen there? Yeah, certainly having a background, you know, coming from a type of agency that you're selling to helps. Like you yourself had been in law enforcement. We have you know, a client that was in a water authority and now they're providing software to help them manage that kind of thing. It, it helps if you have been in, in their shoes before because, you know, there are a lot of companies that approach them and say, hey, we developed this great thing. You're going to love it, but we don't really understand your world versus, you know, you yourself know when you're talking to other law enforcement agencies, you've been there, you've worn the badge, you've been able to truly approach it from their perspective. You know, you've been in, in that world. So that that's a huge benefit. And the other is, you know, again, getting back to the agile piece of it, the ability to quickly receive feedback, assume it into your product and be able to adjust what you're doing uh, based on, on on what people are telling you, you know, they'd like to see or, hey, it would be great if it did this. And you hear that once, it's interesting. Twice, it's start to take notice, but three or four times becomes a trend. And then you got to have a, yeah. enough sampling to, to get that feedback. I mean, I think with, especially with my last company being in public safety and having been a former police officer, what really helped there was just the stories you could tell on a, on a sales call or on a demo, you, you know, you could certainly find those stories that relate to, to those folks. Yeah. And there are certain types of agencies. I think that means more than others. You know, if it's law enforcement, certainly being one of them, but if you're talking to a, a finance officer, for instance, and you have a, a finance background, but it may not have necessarily been in government, you know, I think it's, it, it depends on who you're selling to. And yeah. I, I don't think you have to have been a former, you know, law enforcement official to sell the law enforcement. It, it just certainly helps. No, but I mean, it, it just gives you a head start in understanding their world. Yep. Yeah. And understanding their pains and their concerns and what's important to them having been in there. But you're right. I mean, it's certainly not, not everyone who has a great solution is going to be, uh, in the depths of having done the job before. Um, but you got to figure it out quick. And the more people you talk to, the more people you listen to, if you can get that language and get those words, uh, get that understanding, you'll do better. Well, on on that note, I guess we were already giving advice here, but just thinking about that, if you're just people new to this and just getting started, like what, what advice or recommendations do you have? Immerse yourself in, you know, the the trade shows that almost every agency will will have. You know, the associations and the the trade shows that they put on, the publications that go out to those officials. You know, if you're not a former fire chief, like read up on everything you can get your hands on. What do they care about? What keeps them up at night? The the lingo that they use in that particular discipline is important and also networking with other companies selling in the same space uh, obviously if they're not competitive it makes it a little easier but you know there there are these ecosystems for each type of agency out there and and really you know digging in you know, 
necessarily be very good at, say, developing software, but you may not have had as much experience in uh, the world that you're selling into and, and just being able to, you know, having met people face to face, I think is, is the best way to do it. So getting out there, booking meetings with the people you're selling to will, will teach you a ton very quickly. And maybe one another recommendation is don't underestimate the time it's going to take. The sooner you get started, the sooner you'll, you'll see the results. What, what about on the, you know, just in terms of like, I just created this company, I'm trying to sell the government, you know, should I, should I go out and hire a bunch of BDRs and closers? Do what, what you know, how do we, <laughs> if I was just getting started and I wasn't sure how to start my sales team up and what I need to do, like, what, what do you recommend there? Yeah, I, we're, I, I tell folks we're, not necessarily a fit for everyone. So it does truly depend on what you're selling, the dollar figure, you know, how your prospects will buy. So it's hard to, it, there's not a one size fits all. Usually what I've seen is the founder or founders of the business are the original account executives also. They're doing that and HR and finance and everything else that comes along with starting a company. But yeah, yeah, it, it, measured growth is always, you know, especially in a startup, you want to get out there and get as much revenue as you can as quickly as possible. Some of the approaches that I've seen work well are starting out in a region around, you know, where you're headquartered. So there's more familiarity. Hey, we're in the same state, we're in the same region. Once you do get some early adopters, really focus on the agencies around them. One major difference I didn't cover earlier between government and business, the business world, you know, it's real hard to get people to refer you to others if, you know, they're in business to, to make money and that's their focus. The government space, something's working well and they've figured it out, they will share it with all their colleagues. So leveraging that, especially in public safety, you know, they're there to, to help. So leaning on them to maybe introduce you to other jurisdictions. But the I wouldn't, unless you have a boatload of money that, you know, from a venture capitalist or, and they, they have expectations that you get to a, a certain level, I, I wouldn't forward hire too quickly because you may change direction as you go. And that's the main thing I've seen in startups is you go down one road and you continue down that road because, hey, we had this plan to do it versus uh, facing facts. And when you see something's not working, we need to change it. If you've hired a big team and trained them one way, it's a lot harder to turn that ship than if you're more uh, nimble as a smaller organization. Especially with the slower sales cycle. I mean, you hire, hire too quickly and you're stuck with these these high costs, even though the revenue is not justifying it because it takes, of money. Yeah. Yeah, it takes so long to get to close the deals. Um, no, this is great. Oh, Mike, thank you so much. Really, really enlightening. Thank you for joining us here. Yeah. Any other uh, closing thoughts or ideas there? Uh, just to reiterate, uh, I think the most important thing is to get started as soon as you can. Uh, the sooner you get started, the sooner you'll see results. Uh, I love that. I'm going to use that on my next company. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. 
Hey, and that wraps us up for today. I hope that you learned something from this episode and, and that you enjoyed listening to it. If you would, please go to the website civicthinker.com and enter your email address. That way you can be in the loop if we push out more content or maybe someday do a future event. Oh, and we'd love to hear your suggestions on topics as well. So drop us a line at podcast at civicthinker.com. Let us know if there's any questions or areas you'd like us to explore further. 